Crack fans, the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins for all you football fans. And now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out as well. In addition to the usual bets, Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you're a fan of a lesser-heralded team. Maybe it's the Detroit Lions. I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. I don't know any Lions fans, but maybe you do, and maybe that hypothetical Lions fan has noticed the fact that Jared Goff seems to hit his passing yards number in every game these Detroit Lions have played thus far. What you're going to do, little same game parlay. You'll take the Detroit Lions as an underdog, as they so frequently seem to be. You'll take whichever of their skill position players. Maybe it's Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, the Jared Goff passing yards total. You're going to parlay them together, and it's going to make things even sweeter. In fact, you can throw down on step up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Here's how it works. You're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Again, that's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP-IN-ARIZONA, or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 877-HOPE-NY in New York, OPGR.org in Oregon, call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. To our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings, a show where I offer my picks and previews for each and every day in the pro tennis world. And as we look at Thursday, October 6th across the ATP and WTA tours, if there's one message I'd like to communicate to all of you listeners, it's this. Don't be a hero. As you look at tomorrow's board. Now, through our first two days of picks, we are four and two up 1.92 units overall. What does that mean? It means we've got a little bit of equity built up this week. We've got a few units to play with. Maybe in your head, you're thinking, all right. Thursday is the day I take my big swing. I'm going to wager two, three, four units on a single match. I've now had the opportunity to see each and every one of these players play. Had the opportunity to get a full grasp on the conditions at each of our four tour-level events this week. And, of course, those four tour-level events going to continue to be the focus on today's show. We'll preview all of the action happening at the ATP 500 events in Kazakhstan in Japan. Of course, we've got the WTA 500 in my opinion, and I know I've said this on each and every show this week, but in my opinion, that WTA 500 in Ostrava, the single strongest draw we have seen to date during this 2022 WTA season. Of course, the 250 for the women this week in Monastir, Tunisia. Not 
too shabby either. With that said, though, again, you may have that inclination. I'm going to be a hero as we look at Thursday's matches in honor of Alex Gruskin's 27th birthday, which, yes, worth reminding all of you, is here on Thursday. I'm going to place that big wager. I'm going to put too much confidence in that equity we have built early in the week. And again, when you try to be a hero, I feel like that's when we get burned the most here on this segment. So once again, and I know that's been the sentiment all week long, I would express caution as we look at Thursday's board of matches. Of course, here on today's show, what I want to do for all of you listeners is talk about the places where perhaps you can, I don't want to say throw caution aside, but maybe feel a bit more comfortable as I do have three aces of the day tomorrow for all of you listeners. That said, I'm still going to keep my wagers small this week. And the reason for that fact is, again, and I know I continue to reiterate this point, not just here on this show, but over on the Mini Break podcast feed as well. All four of our draws are absolutely loaded. I mean, you look at the ATP event in Astana. Yes, top seed Carlos Alcaraz has been knocked out, but you've still got Daniil Medvedev. You've still got Novak Djokovic. You've still got Stefano Tsitsipas, a plethora of dangerous players still alive in the draw, of course. While the top seed in Tokyo, Kasper Ruud, has been eliminated, you still have plenty of strong contenders there, whether it be Francis Tiafo, whether it be Nick Kyrgios, or any of the other players still alive in the draw, of course. Again, on the women's side, not going to go through the entire Ostrova draw. I'll do that when I preview all of tomorrow's action, I suppose, but... Just about every player still alive in the hunt for the 2022 WTA year-end championships in Fort Worth. Just about all of them are competing this week in Ostrava. And why wouldn't they? It's a WTA 500 event. Significant points on the line. But the parody of that event, the you know, it really is something, uh, the sort of week where if you're going to wager, I would do more live betting than I would betting on matches beforehand because it feels like it's an eye test sort of week. You've got players playing well at each and every one of our tour level events. And while certainly we try to use the numbers, we try to use prior matches between opponents, we try to use whatever data points we can find to make accurate predictions, I do sometimes think tennis is really a sport that just comes down to an eye test. You can see it. I can see it. Just about any tennis fan can tell early on in a match, oh, here's the matchup that this player is taking advantage of, or oh, the level of this player clearly not as high or significantly higher than it was the day before. And I know as, you know, this is a little bit of a monologue here, I suppose. Uh, I'm rambling a bit here as I discuss each of these things, and all of you listeners are ready to hear my explanation for my picks. You're ready to hear what matches you need to watch most closely to have the best gauge on everything that happens tomorrow in the tennis world. But again, don't be a hero. Don't burn all the goodwill, good fortune we've had through these first few days by making a short-sighted, foolish decision. I really do recommend uh, restraint, I suppose, is the best word when making your wagers for Thursday's matches. It may even be a day where you just want to kick your feet up and enjoy everything as a fan of the tennis world. I have certainly enjoyed kicking my feet up as part of the broadcast team on T2 this week. I've had the chance to call so much of the outstanding action in Ostrava. Of course, we've gotten the chance to hop around between Monastir, Tokyo, and Astana as well. If I'm enjoying it, you know, here in the broadcast booth, I can only imagine how 
much more enjoyable it must be to take it all in as a fan, just casually sitting there again, enjoying tennis as so many of us do. With that said, as I have alluded to, as close as I expect matches to be, over the next 24 hours, as much parody as I see in the pro tennis world, not only uh, this week, but you know that has been one of our themes, I suppose, of this 2022 season. I'm actually feeling, once again, pretty good about our picks for the next 24 hours of action. And as always, what I want to do on this show is run you through my reasoning, talk about the statistical advantages I see for each of the players I am picking. I also want to run through each of the day's matches, spend about 30 seconds a minute on every singles match happening tomorrow, which, again, that's the blueprint of these Ace of the Day segments. We hope all of you tennis fans have been enjoying them. A massive thank you to our friends at DraftKings for their support of this show. We finally have the resources we've always aspired to have to provide this preview content to all of you listeners. Because, again, I don't use the word unique lightly, but I will say the tennis world is particularly unique in that Monday only matters till Tuesday. Tuesday only matters to Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera, because you have a new wave of matches, a new wave of results to discuss each and every day. And while we recap all of them over on the Mini Break podcast feed, it's almost therapeutic and certainly helps me organize my thoughts to provide these preview podcasts as well. So shout out to our friends at DraftKings for their support, of course, as you heard in the intro, if you're ready to get in on the action with our friends at DraftKings. That's just the place to turn to. They've got everything you're looking for at the DraftKings Sportsbook. But again, I know what you're looking for. Ace of the day selections, my thoughts more broadly on the next 24 hours of tennis. So let's get to it. Here are my GSP aces of the day for Thursday, October 6th. And I know this is the second time I'm going to share this fact with you listeners. It's always weird to say the date of your birthday out loud, right? It's like Thursday, October 6th is in my head. I know for all of you, it's just like, ah, that's another Thursday for me. I'm like, all right, welcome myself, Juan Pablo Varias to age 27. Big day uh, for October 6th birthdays in the tennis world. That said, enough with the pontifications, enough with the filibustering. Let's get to our ace of the day picks. And we'll start with ace of the day number one, Ekaterina Alexandrova. She's been excellent here in this 2022 season. And yeah, at times she's run a little bit hot and cold, but I think we're in one of those hot stretches right now. As you look at the 27-year-old who is clearly in the midst of a career season, but started out her week in tremendous fashion uh, as well in Ostrava. And you look for Ekaterina Alexandrova, an impressive three-set win over fellow top 40 player Victoria Azarenka in round number one of this event. Now, to play a fellow top 40 player in round one speaks to, again, the strength, the depth of this Ostrava draw. But Alexandrova probably should have won that match in straight sets, had plenty of opportunities through the first half of the second set, kind of blinked serving for it at four, uh, serving 4-5 in that second set and one blink with a couple of unforced errors as Rank was able to capitalize, take the second set. But to see Alexandrova respond the way she did, not only from a shot-making perspective, but physically in that third set as well, feeling very confident in Alexandrova's game. And by the way, Alexandrova enters tomorrow's round of 16 matchup against Daria Kasatkina, having won six consecutive matches. Obviously, wins her first round here in Ostrava, but also won the title in Seoul two weeks ago. Really impressive win over Yelena Ostapenko during that run. And you look for Alexandrova, she's 33-16 and 16 
overall on the season. The two-thirds rule applies to Alexandrova, even though I believe she's looking to make just her fifth quarterfinal of the season this year in Ostrava. That said, she's 4-0 in quarterfinal matches in 2022. She's won two titles here this season, that title in Seoul, as well as her run to the title on the grass courts in the Netherlands back in June. You look at the numbers for Ekaterina Alexandrova, career highs across the board, career high 71.9% hold percentage, career high 38.5% break percentage. She is one of just nine players on the WTA Tour to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage this season. And I also think this surface, this surface, excuse me, shouldn't have been plural. We'll learn how to speak English here. That's my plan. That's my birthday wish for turning 27. Learn how to speak English on the podcast. You look for Alexandrova. I think this surface in Ostrava just plays perfectly for her. It's, dare I say, almost a sport court out there. It's, you know, these, it, every time the ball bounces against the court, you think, huh, did the ball just die? Huh, did the court just die? It's, you know, it. they're slow courts, but... This ball stays extraordinarily low. And for a flat line drive hitter like Alexandrova, I actually think that surface, you know, again, those conditions are perfect for her game to thrive. And I think we saw that in her first round match against Daria Kasatkin, uh, excuse me, against Victoria Azarenka, where again, probably should have won in straights, ultimately wins that match in three sets, I believe was double digit aces for Alexandrova on the day, was hitting the plus one ball extraordinarily well off both wings. I think Alexandrova, the big difference for her, 27 years old, I think she's in her prime physically. I just think she's moving better than she ever has before, and that just gives her more time to play the ball a little bit more cleanly off of both of her ground stroke wings. And look, it's a really tough match, as anticipated tomorrow, as Alexandrova is going to take on top 10 player this year, a player who currently you look at the points races very much in the conversations for the year-end championships. Now she entered the week ranked number 11 on the WTA Tour rankings, but I think all of us agree this has been the best season for Daria Kasatkina of her career, and you look for Kasatkina, 25 years old. She also you know, has made two finals this season, winning two titles, both of them coming recently in Granby in San Jose prior to the U.S. Open. You look for Kasatkina, a remarkable 38-17 and 17 overall on the season. She's top 10. I think it's top 6 in terms of overall WTA Tour wins, trailing just like the Igas, Haddad, Maya, Jabur's of the world. That's really it. Everyone else um, in the conversation right there with Kasakina. You look for Kasakina. She's made 8 different quarterfinals this season, 6-2 and two in those 8 quarterfinal appearances. And, you know, for Kasakina, she ranks 2nd in break percentage this season. Under any normal year, her 49.3% break percentage, probably the number one number, probably the top returner on the WTA Tour. Of course, in 2022, we just happened to be blessed with Iga Sviantek, who's putting together a historic level of success as a returner this year. So, you know, Saki has been elite. She hasn't been historically one of a kind, you know, historically unique dare I say, the way Sviantek has. And yet for Kisakina, you know, just physically able to track down every ball on the court and to watch her move Radakanu Ariana Grande-esque and how Radakanu was going side to side. And, you know, again, for Kasatkina, just made every extra ball, asked every question of Radakanu. Radakanu played well, but she didn't play perfect. And dare I say, you almost had to play perfect to knock off Kasakina with how well she's moving. Such exceptional defensive tennis that she's playing. That said, 
on this surface, I like the game style of Alexandrova a little bit more than I like the game style of Kasakina. And going back to that Radakanu kasakina match, Radakanu had a million chances. She had, you know, down 5-4 in the second set. It was love 15, and Radakanu had a second serve opportunity look that she just missed off the top of the net that I think if it goes over the net, she probably rips for a winner. And then she's up above 30, and now, you know, it's a whole different ball game for Kasakina. Let's say Radakanu manages to extend that second set to 5-all. Who knows if she could ride that momentum out. The point being, Radakanu had that chance, and millions of chances like it throughout the course of that first round battle. Yes, Kasakina gets through five and four. And again, credit to Kasakina for asking every additional question of Radakanu throughout the course of that match, just rolling that forehand all over the court. That said, I think Alexandrova is better at executing that inside the baseline, be the aggressor, particularly from the baseline game style that Radakanu tried to pull off yesterday. I just think Alexandrova's been better at doing exactly that this season. And again, on the low, slow-bouncing indoor courts of Ostrava, I just think Alexandrova's aggression will dictate the terms of this match. I think it's on her racket, and I think she's playing well enough that, again, her ability to dictate on those terms uh She'll just be able to successfully do that. Of course, Kasakina, as good as she is as a returner, she ranks 49th amongst top 50 players from a hold percentage perspective. You look uh, for Daria Kasakina this season. She's holding serve 62.4% of the time. That's above her career average. But again, that ranks 49th out of the top 50 players on the WTA Tour and is uh, about 9% lower than the Tour average of top 50 players who hold 70.9% of the time. The point is... I think ECAD has the sort of serve that as good as of a returner as Kasakina is on these indoor hard courts, Alexandrova is going to have opportunities to dictate behind that first serve. And then, you know, some of the 60, 70 mile per hour meatballs Kasakina serves up as second serves, I just think Alexandrova is going to have free reign on. I think she's going to comfortably swing through all of those balls. And I, I just think, again, I test-wise, who played better in round one? Kasakina played well. Alexandrova was exceptional. And it's the same sort of exceptional level we saw from her the week prior on her way to that title again in Seoul. I expect Ekaterina Alexandrova to earn a seventh consecutive win and to keep things going. And you look tomorrow according to the odds. Look, it's a little bit against the grain according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. They have Kasakina as a 70.6% favorite, probably based off the fact Kasakina not only more wins this season than Alexandrova Kasakina, also 2-1 and one in the career head-to-head between the two women, although for what it's worth, I believe two of their three matches have gone three sets. And, you know, again, Alexandrova does have a victory over Kasakina on a hard court. Eye test, surface test, conditions test. I think all three things point towards Alexandrova. I think Kasakina, I don't want to say was lucky, but I... She didn't play that first match on her terms. And pulling things out and, you know, again, death by a thousand paper cuts as Kasakina likes to do, that, that that will be her game style from time to time. You may like what her opponent is doing more from a tactical standpoint. And yet, as we've seen all year long, it's going to be Kasakina who ends up in the winner's circle. That said, again, my eyes tell me that Ekaterina Alexandrova 
was the better player and that these conditions and this matchup suit her better. I, I just think you need some weapons to hit Alexandrova off her spot. If you're going to give her time to swing freely from the center of the court, she's just playing too well right now. Uh, and even if you give her time you know, in the outer thirds of the court, I just think she's playing too well right now. Give me Alexandrova to take this match. And I mentioned Tennis Abstract has Kasakina as the favorite. Our friends at DraftKings agree with me. They have Alexandrova as a minus 125 money line favorite. Now, if you want to juice those odds a little bit more, you can get her at minus half a game, which one assumes Alexandrova, if she wins, will cover a half game spread. I just don't see a world where Kasakina wins a six love, six one set over Alexandrova. If you want to take the game spread, extract a little bit more value. I think that's kind of being a hero, uh, but I understand the decision. I'm going to roll with the money line. Give me Alexandrova minus 125 over Kasakina. All she's got to do is win the match. And, you know, again, much like yesterday, we're keeping our wager numbers low. We'll go with just another quarter of a unit on that match to win 0.2 in return. Again, not the biggest returns for us this week, but we're not going to be a hero. We're going to rack up the victories. We're going to feel extraordinarily confident heading into this 2022 season's home stretch. So ace number one of the day, Alexandrova minus 125 over Kasakina, 0.25 units to win, 0.2 in return. With that said, let's get to ace of the day number two. And yesterday, we went with an all ATP Ace of the day segment was unintentional. Sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Shout out to Bruce Almighty. Um, Today, our first two aces come from our two WTA Tour events. And I'll get into why I'm staying away from all of tomorrow's Ostrava action aside from that Kasakina-Alexandrova match. I next want to turn to Monastir and former World Junior number 1 Anastasia Potapova. Potapova, the sixth seed this week in Monastir, has been... Not a capital B, but a lowercase b breakout star of this 2022 season. You look for the former World Junior number one, turned 21 years old in March of this season, reached a career high 45 at the start of September, currently sitting at 51 in the WTA rankings. You look for Potapova this season, 32 and 21 overall, winning 60% of her matches. She's made five different quarterfinals this season, all of them at the tour level. And, you know, you look for her coming into the season, she had 10 total. So she's, you know, matched 50% of that in one year, clearly a breakout year for uh, the 21-year-old who, by the way, has earned some signature victories along the way this season as well. A really nice win over Krachikova in Hamburg, really nice win over Kanteve in Prague, particularly after Kanteve had beaten her the week prior in Hamburg. Good wins over another player who I think is a lower Case B breakout star this year in Claire Liu, a good win over Camila Bagu, Veronica Kudermatova, Sarah Cerebez Tormo, Petra Martic earlier this season. Again, Potapova has shown all of us or reminded all of us of what made her such a promising junior. And the answer to that question, for those of you who haven't had as much of a chance to see the 21-year-old, is just how smooth she is on the ground stroke, uh, off both ground stroke wings, whether it's the forehand in particular, the backhand, you know, I was going to quote, says to say, to quote, soldier boy, she can crank that, but, you know, I feel like a soldier boy reference might be lost on some of our listeners. Point is, she can crank off of both wings. She's a very fluid mover. I wouldn't say an elite mover, but very, very good at it. Not the most explosive first step, but again, movement's never going to be the issue for her, and if you don't have an overwhelming weapon, 
she is going to track down every ball. She is going to find range, her range, have time to work you around the court. Here comes that term. She's extraordinarily adept at spreading her opponents around the court, finding the outer thirds, never hitting more than three balls consecutively in the same direction. And yes, it took Potapova three sets uh, in her first round victory over a uh, in a tricky match against the wild card Andriva, who, by the way, has quietly had a very, very good 2022 season. But look, ultimately, able Potapova was able to pull the match out. And you look for Potapova this season holding 66.5% of the time, which, by the way, is a career high for her at the tour level. Perhaps more pertinently, she's breaking serve 40.6% of the time. She has been a top 10 returner. You can adjust for a level of competition, but it's pretty much exclusively WTA-level competition this year for Potapova. She's been a top 10 returner since the start of the year, and that fact alone is why I think she's not going to win, but I think she's going to win comfortably tomorrow. Not just win, I should say, but win comfortably tomorrow as she takes on 2021 French Open semifinalist Tamara Zdancic. You look for Zdancic, three-set winner herself today over qualifier Marina Basols Ribera. You look for Zdancic overall on the season. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle for the now soon to be excuse me 25 year old you look uh for Zidancic overall this year 15 and 19 for the season you look on her hard court specifically seven and seven overall she had a streak where she lost five consecutive hard court matches from her loss in the third round of the Australian Open all the way through the U.S. Open got a good first round win uh, a couple of weeks ago over Zakharova uh, in Porto Rose now a good week over uh, a much needed win I don't know if it was a good win but much needed three sets today over Basos Ribera as well and you know, you look for Tamara Zadonzik. Yeah, she's a good mover. Solid off of both wings. You need to do, you know, you need some sort of, I don't want to say significant weapon, but you just have to have weights to finish points against her. And you have to be pretty confident that you're going to be able to do so. Otherwise, her defensive skills can overwhelm you. That said, you know, I mentioned the 65, 66% hold percentage for Potapova, which is still below the tour average for a top 50 player of 70.9%. Zidancic's holding 59.8% of the time this year. She's also only breaking serve 32.8%. And while Zidancic is a better returner than that 32.8% number would indicate, I just don't know if there's anything she does better than Potapova or anything she has done better than Potapova this season, particularly on the hard courts. Now, when you get to the clay courts, movement becomes even more of a factor. And while Potapova is an excellent mover on the clay courts, Zidancic's fluidity in and out of the outer thirds of the court, her ability to slide into her shots, you know, that's what makes her a special clay court player and a former French Open semifinalist. That said, on this hard court surface of Monastir, the biggest weapon on the court belongs to Anastasia Potapova. And you know, again, I think Potapova will be able to spread the court with more frequency than Zidancic. I like Potapova's court positioning closer to that baseline, if not inside of it, far more than I like Zidancic, who likes to be hitting forehands, but often likes to be hitting them three, four, five feet behind the baseline. I just think Potapova's a little bit better at everything. And you look at the tennis abstract singles forecast in this match, Potapova 66.3% favorite accordingly. Now look, minus four and a half games for her tomorrow. 
I'm feeling like I'm trying to be a bit of a hero here. Now you look for Potapova, that game spread tomorrow. She's minus 340. That's just, that's too much value. You know, that's in the vomit zone. I would have loved if DraftKings offered me an alternate line here and gave me minus three and a half games. I probably would have laid minus 150, maybe even minus 160 on those three and a half games. I really do think Potapova wins this match in straight sets. But again, with how, given the struggles for Zidancic on serve, as well as the prowess of Potapova on the return. So biggest weakness meets biggest strength. I think that's a recipe for a blowout. And so I do think Potapova not only wins this match, but I think she wins this match in straight sets. And I think it's even more comfortable than a single break in each set. I think she could rack up two, three breaks per set. And if she's able to do that, she should cover her minus four and a half game spread tomorrow. And look, you get a big game spread like that, you're going to get pretty good odds. Minus four and a half games on Potapova, minus 120 odds. We're happy to roll with that as an ace of the day tomorrow. Give me the former world junior number one, 21-year-old and lowercase b breakout stuff of this 2022 season, Anastasia Potapova, minus 120, will throw 0.25 units on it to win a little bit over 0.2 in return. In fact, we will win 0.21 units overall in return. With that said, let's get to our final ace of the day. And that ace comes to us via the men's draw in Tokyo. Simply put, Francis Tiafo has made a leap this season. He may be a capital B breakout star, particularly after his run to the semifinals of the U.S. Open. Of course, Tiafo then goes on to clinch the Laver Cup for the first time for Team World, knocking off Tsitsipas in a third set breaker. You know, you look at that U.S. Open run, wins over Rublev, Nadal, Schwartzman made you know quarterfinals in Washington this year before he played a really fun three-set match against Nick Kyrgios. I thought, you know, yes, tough losses to Corda Fritz, respectively, in Cincinnati and Canada, but each of those losses came in three sets as well. You look for Francis Tiafo. It's just been clearly been a leap forward for him this season. 28-20 overall entering tomorrow's round two match in Tokyo. You look for Tiafo. He's holding 81.8% of the time. That's, you know, a percent and a half above his career average and right around the average of a top 50 player on tour. And then perhaps more importantly, things have just steadied for him from a break percentage standpoint. You look for him particularly on hard courts this year. He's break and serve over 20% of the time, which is above his career average, below the top 50 average of 23.2. But again, progress for Francis Tiafo nonetheless. And, you know, the big jump for him has been as a server, particularly as a server on the hard courts this year. He's holding over 83 3% of the time. That would be a top 25 number amongst top 50 players on tour. And with all due respect to Tiafo's opponent tomorrow in Burnham's Bay, Zapata Morales. Zapata Morales, 25 years old, currently sitting at number 80, which is five off the career high he reached earlier this season of uh, number 75. You look for Zapata Morales, 42 and 25 overall on the year, four and six in hardcore matches. Now, got a much-needed and impressive 5-5 five and five win over Taro Daniel in round one of this event. But you look for Zapata Morales in his career against top 100 players on hard courts. He's 5-10 and 10 overall uh, with his last... And by the way, against top 50 opponents in his career, 1-4 overall with his last win being over John Millman, 4-4 four four in Dubai last season. Zapata Morales is a bigger forehand than you think. You know, again, that serve can be effective regardless of surface. He's a pretty solid mover as well, but 
I just don't know what he does to hurt Francis Tiafo in this match. And you look for Zapata Morales, who's held serve uh, for his career at the ATP level in hard court matches. The career hold percentage. By the way, he's only played 12, 4 and 8 in his career. He's holding serve 69.1% of the time. It's 13% below the average of a top 50 player. And he's getting, at the very least, your average top 50 server in Francis Tiafo. I think anyone who's watched Tiafo play, though, over the past month knows he's looked like a top 10, top 15 server even on the ATP tour over the course of these past four or five weeks of competition. And again, Zapata Morales is tricky. I look at the odds in this match and I feel like they are trying to trap us as you look for Francis Tiafo in terms of his money line tomorrow. He's minus 400. But for some reason, again, he's minus 400. You look for Potapova tomorrow, she's minus 340, and yet you can get Francis Tiafo at minus three and a half games tomorrow, which is literally a straight set, one break in each set victory. That's why I feel like I'm a tra- I'm in a trap somewhere. Why are they offering minus three and a half games? Of course, they juiced up the odds. It's minus 155 versus Potapova's minus 120, and by the way... Had Potapova been offered at minus three and a half games, minus 155, we probably would have parlayed both of those games spread. So maybe that's why they don't offer it for Potapova today. But we can get three and a half games. He's just got to be a guy who has four tour level hardcourt victories in his career who, you know, yes, he has a top 50 win, but it's over John Millman on hardcourts. That's no, with all due respect to John Millman, doesn't have the weapons. Francis does, particularly on this surface. Yeah, I'll take Tiafo and the minus three and a half games. And we're going to take that pretty easily. Minus 155. Now, again, in the, in the theme of don't be a hero, we'll throw just another quarter unit on it to win 0.16 in return. And I definitely feel like I'm leaving some money on the table with that wager. That said, I feel very confident that Francis Tiafo is going to win that match against Zapata Morales. I think he's going to win it in straight sets. And honest to God, I think we're going to get a Tiafo Kyrgios final in Tokyo this week, which from an entertainment standpoint... Boy, would that be a fun one for tennis fans everywhere. That said, quick recap, your three aces of the day. Alexandrova minus 125 over Kasatkina. That's on the money line, 0.25 units to win 0.2. We'll take the Potapova minus four and a half game spread over Zidanzik, minus 120, a quarter of a unit to win 0.21. Tiafo minus three and a half games over Zapata Morales, minus 155, 0.25 units to win 0.16. With that said, those are your three aces of the day. Let's quickly hop around the globe though talk about the matches that will be on the board tomorrow don't sleep on katie mcnally the young 21 year old american top 30 20 you could argue maybe 10 doubles player in the world her serve her forehand her willingness to move forward it works really well on these courts in ostrava and yes she's an underdog tomorrow taking on carolina mukova the 26 year old looked great in a straight set win over Beatrice Haddad Maya, won the last five games from 4-1 down in the second set to secure a straight set victory. Her athleticism, the fluidity out of the corners, ability to explode through the ball on the forehand or backhand wing, comfort level moving forward. Mukova's got all the skills. I'm just saying McNally's power has to be taken seriously on this surface. So keep an eye on that match. If Alicia Parks big serves her way to another upset over a very shaky Maria Sakari, not going to shock me, but Sakari's minus 550. If anything, I take the over in each of these first two matches. I'm staying away from that one, staying the heck away 
from a very much informed Barbara Krachikova taking on a very much informed Belinda Bencic. I actually like this surface a lot for both players. Home crowd advantage for Krachikova has her as a minus 135 favorite, but that's a stay away for me. I think Conteve at minus 400 is going to beat Martin Sova. It's in the parlay zone. Yes, Martin Sova probably plays bigger from the baseline than Conteve, but provide Conteve a little bit of pace to work with. It just feels like this matchup in particular is uh, she's well suited to have success in, and she's three and I just feel like I've seen this match a million times. As Conteve is three and zero in her career against Martin Sova, seems to be so. Able seems to be so willing, able. I was going to say adapt. I don't know if that's the right word right now. The point is, it's just a tough matchup for Martin Sova, given the athlete that Conteve is. She gets Martin Sova spread around the court now, such Martin Sova just has a little bit less time to tee off the way she likes to from the baseline. I think Conteve wins. I don't even think that match goes over. I think Conteve wins in straight sets, but... I'm just staying away from all of the action in Ostrava. Going to enjoy, minus the Alexandrova match, I suppose. Going to enjoy it as a fan because I do think tomorrow's action can get particularly good. And I believe I'm going to be on the call for that Benchich-Krachikova match. Talk about a gift to myself on my birthday to get to call two players who we talk about far too frequently probably here on this show. That feels like a win uh, for Team Alex Gruskin. And yes, I just referred to myself in the third person. I hope all of you listeners will bear that, uh, you know, will be willing to tolerate that. It's worth mentioning. I am probably operating on a solid four-hour sleep schedule, which isn't plenty for me. The adrenaline rush I get from watching tennis every morning, trust me, it wakes me up. I'm not complaining. I'm just simply saying if I get loopy from time to time, if, as you listeners know, I forget how to speak English as I just did there, well, that's what happens when you're not sleeping as much as your body is accustomed to. That said, fantastic day of action in Ostrava. Pretty fun day in Monastir as well. Potapova is a Danzig, the headliner, but, you know, Jabur back in play. She's a minus 1,800 favorite over Radina. I would expect her to cruise in that match. I would expect Petra Martic to cruise over Uchijima. The problem is it's minus five and a half game spread. I came into the day thinking, all right, I'm going to hit Petra Martic's game spread because I knew she's going to be minus 500 or higher, and she is minus 550. But minus five and a half games is just too many games in a non-three out of five set format. So no thank you for that. Magdalena Frich has some weapons to hurt Veronica Kudermatova with tomorrow. And Frich is plus 390 overall. Frich is also three and one. Oh, excuse me, Frech. I learned it's Magdalena Frech. Frech is also three and one against Kudermatova in her career. And just the line drive power she's able to play with, Kudermatova's not going to have time to tee off the way she likes to from the center of the court. She's going to be stretched at times in the outer thirds. And while she has gotten so much better defensively this year, that's why she's very much alive in the hunt for the year-end championships. I kind of like the over in this match. Over two and a half sets plus 205. That's some pretty decent value, but I'm staying away. From uh, the rest of the action in Monastir, outside of Potapova, that said, I'm very much looking forward to watching it all unfold. That said, you look at the men's side action, I mean, buckle your seatbelts and be prepared to either wake up extraordinarily early or stay up extraordinarily late on Wednesday night if you're here in the United States. As I like all the matchups, but in particular, our two matches to start Wednesday, uh, Thursday's play in Tokyo, Nakashima versus Chorich. Chorch minus 115 favorite. Nakashima holding over 88% of the time since Roland Garros. Popcorn. Grab your popcorn. I think that match is a pick I might even lean Nakashima with how well he's hitting his spots on the serve. And that Chorch doesn't have a clear-cut weapon to really overwhelm the Nakashima forehand with. Over. 
in that match. Over in Kesmenovic, Evans as well. Dan Evans minus 135 to Kesmenovic's plus 110. I actually kind of like the plus 110 aspect for Kesmenovic in this match, but you know, more than anything else, I think I'm just going to stay away from that one, kick my feet. I'll be well asleep as that match is 8.30 p.m. Pacific time and I mean, I hope I'll be asleep at least uh, in preparation for tomorrow's broadcasting. That's probably the one that puts me to bed uh, at some point tonight. That said, Kyrgios, my check. I like my check's backhand, but his forehand is just going to be a liability against the pace of the Kyrgios serve. You know, Chapo, Fritz also in action should each cruise, but it's five and a half games for both of them. And again, that's just too much juice for us to lay anything on. With that said, other event, of course, your final one happening in Astana. Buckle your seatbelts. Karen Hatchinov, somehow a minus 125 favorite over Marin Chilich. That feels a little much. At most, I'd make this even odds. And for what it's worth, Chilich started out the day plus 110. He's now worked his way back to plus 100. That's just a stay away or the over from me. Hercots minus 170 against Bublik. I would take that play if the match wasn't in Kazakhstan. And having watched Bublik play his first round match, he will get a warm reception from the home crowd. Djokovic down to minus 900 for whatever it's worth against Botik van de Have you watched Novak play this week? He might not drop a set. Again, he's just on the warpath. And then Rusevori Medvedev, I take the sneaky over. The slow, high-bouncing court's perfect for a Rusevori, who if you give an extra half second to, he just has weapons off of both wings that can transcend a court speed or the surface that he's playing on. I like that one. I'd lean Medvedev, but I might hit the over two and a half sets at plus 200 as well because there's pretty juicy value there. With that said, buckle in, folks. It's going to be an exciting Thursday in the pro tennis world. And, of course, if you want to get in on the action, turn to our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. If you're looking for recaps of each and every day, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed as we've got you covered there Monday through Friday. And then on the good weekends, I like to throw in some Saturday, Sunday podcasts as well. With that said, quickly, one more time. Aces of the day. Alexandrova, minus 125 money line over Kasakina, quarter of a unit to win point two. Potapova, minus four and a half games over Zidanzik, minus 120, quarter of a unit to win point two one. And then Tiafo, minus three and a half games over Zapata Morales, minus 155, quarter of a unit to win point one six. Yeah, we're a bit light on our wagers, but the theme, again, don't be a hero. With that said, four our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. 